The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, we are coming to you after a one-in-one uh, one stretch since the last podcast. The, the Tigers dropped a game at home, a heartbreaker, in overtime to Tulane uh, last weekend, then bounced back last night, Wednesday, in uh, South Florida, in Tampa, uh, withstanding a 28-point uh, performance from Tyler Harris to get a rather uh, professional, uh, impressive uh, 99, what, 81 win over yep. uh, USF. Um, so uh, they improved to 8-3 and three in conference, 18-6 and six overall. They're in third place in the league. They are right squarely on the bubble um as we sit here february 9th so lots and lots to dive into we're going to break down you know what happened in that Tulane game as well as the usf game um maybe rate tyler harris's trash talk um and uh we will uh then get you ready for uh the road ahead which is a uh somewhat perilous one it's uh uh, just because you you know you are on the bubble and it's February in college basketball, but let's start months I guess with just I don't it, it's weird to say the week that was because this is Thursday, but like since we last had a podcast, I guess how would you evaluate just overall you know what you saw from Memphis in you know losing a game against Tulane that obviously you you probably should have won and you know, ultimately did some damage to your profile and then, you know, coming back and, you know, getting a rather convincing win over USF. Um, what what do you make of, of what's happened here over the last week or so? I mean, I think if you, if you, you know, look at it from the whole, they lost a one point game at home to a team that they were supposed to beat and they won by 18 on the road against a team they were supposed to beat. So, uh, like in that way, it's hard not to be disappointed. Like it's hard not to look at, it's hard not to view what, you know, the week that was, as you said, um, as a disappointment, um, you know, they, they came up, you know, Memphis came up short, um, you know, they could not afford, well, I I don't know. Is that, they could, they, 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 I mean, that's that's the interesting thing to me about it is like it's a it it's classified as a quad three loss because it's at home, but I also think Tulane's a pretty good team, and in particular, it's clearly not a great matchup for Memphis. That zone defense gives Memphis a little bit of trouble, and then you know those small lineups Tulane uses has you know has given Memphis trouble this year, um, and so that's what I, I have a hard time reconciling it because I. I do think they should have won that game. Like they miss free throws that they normally, you know, Kendrick Davis in particular missed free throws that he normally makes. 
they turned the ball over 22 times. Like they gave that game away ultimately. At the same time, you know, that was a pretty good team they played. And um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was cause for alarm, even though it was disappointing, if that makes sense. Like it, it was an, it was a loss you, you didn't want to have, you shouldn't have had, but I also don't think it means you're, you know, you're not the team you thought you'd, you were, if that makes right. sense. Um, I think Tulane's a pretty good team, and and ultimately, it's been proven by what the bracketology has played out. Like, did it make things more perilous for you? Did it make it tougher to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it did. But it didn't. It's not going to prevent you from making the NCAA tournament. Ultimately, that loss to Tulane. No, and I mean, and that's what I was kind of getting at, or like working out in real time was um was was it does it does make things it does make life a little bit harder in fact a lot harder honestly i mean um you know the the, the way memphis is looking at it i mean deandre uh williams said it on the post game radio uh during his post game radio interview after um wednesday's win in tampa he said we know we can't lose anymore um, or something to that effect. We know we can't lose any more games or something like that. And, you know, in that way, uh, that loss to Tulane is what is, is why, um, it's why their backs, it's why they feel like their backs are against the wall. Um, and so, you know, I guess, you know, from that, that's really the, the, the biggest you know, takeaway. That's, that's, that's why that's what, uh, last week did, um, mm-hmm. that, that loss to Tulane is it just, it just backed Memphis, uh, up against the wall, you know, pretty much, pretty much square up against, you know, flush up against the wall. And so, um, but it did not, it wasn't like they couldn't afford to, I started to say this earlier that they couldn't afford to lose, but they, you know, th- there is still, there are still opportunities ahead Mm-hmm. to to atone for it and make up for it and and um you know get get off the bubble so uh, I, i'll be honest my my personal feeling is and like obviously all of this is you know ultimately guesswork because you don't know what other teams are going to do and all that sort of stuff with bubble talk but i firmly believe it is more important for memphis not to lose to anyone else besides Houston the rest of the way than it is necessarily for them to beat Houston. Like, I think they get in if they just don't lose to anyone else besides Houston the rest of the way. That's my, that's my personal belief. Um, because I think they're going to have a pretty decent profile compared to other bubble teams. If they just, if the, if their worst loss of the year is Tulane at home, if their only quad three or four loss is Tulane at home, I think, and, and then you add in Auburn, A and M are all you know both looking pr- like pretty decent wins. Your win over Cincinnati on the road will be a decent. Win. You're going to probably have, if if things play out a little bit in your favor, a positive record in quad one and quad two games, and only one quad three loss and no quad four losses. Like I think that's a profile that's getting in. Now, I don't know if it's getting a, you know, an eight or nine seed. It's probably a 10, 11, or play-in type situation. 
But I, I, I really believe that if Memphis can just win the rest of the games it's supposed to win, it won't even – like, it'd be great if they if they beat Houston. That's great. You know, that would definitely push you in for sure. Um, and it get, those Houston games give you the ability to, you know, let's say you lose to Temple or UCF or Cincinnati, even though they're all at home. Let's say you lose one of those, you know – Playing those two Houston games gives you an opportunity to make up for that. Now, you know, beating Houston's not going to be easy, obviously. But um, I still think it's more important, though, to, to to beat Temple this weekend, to beat UCF, to beat Cincinnati, to beat SMU, not slip up against any of those team type of teams down the stretch. Um, because I, I think they have, you know an okay profile right now for NCAA but compared to other bubble teams, I should say. Um, and I think if you can just be the team that has no bad, that even just being the team that has no bad losses and a positive quad one, quad two, like even though you don't have that marquee win, I think that's going to be enough to get them in personally. Again, yeah. unscientific. Uh, this is all like ultimately guesswork and unscientific. Cause you know, it, it, there's a lot of variables at play, but, that's just my personal belief. Yeah. And, and I mean, like this is just one example and I don't have like all the resumes, uh, of bubble teams in front of me, but I, last check, I think Boise state, like let's, let's, you know, we, we can talk about Boise state, uh, because it's just, it, it's, it's what's um, fresh on my mind. I was looking, uh, earlier today and they are last time I saw, they're like, um, I think one of the last four buys. So like just inside, you know, like, like they got a little bit of breathing room. Boise state does Boise state has one quad one win, two quad three losses. And one of their quad three losses just last night became a quad three loss. It was a quad four loss. So it is a very low quad three loss. And yet Boise state is like, in a better position than Memphis. Memphis has won because uh, Cincinnati dropped back out of the top 75. So that win is now a high quad two. Um, it had been a quad one, a low quad one there for a minute. Uh, so Memphis is back down to one quad one win, but four quad two, uh, quad two wins and, and just the one quad three loss. And it's a, and it's a, a good quad. I mean, like, I don't know if any quad three loss can qualify as good, but it's high. It's like, uh, I think Tulane is like 91 or something. And, um, and I think, I think they got to be top 75 for that, for that to not be a quad three loss. I don't see that happening. I think they got to beat Houston, uh, Tulane. I think Tulane has to beat Houston and pretty much everybody else on their schedule for them to get in the top 75 in the net. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's really kind of I think I think you're on to I think you make a very valid point that uh you know I, I say all that to say to your point if if Memphis can just avoid any more bad losses, quote unquote bad losses, I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm quite as convinced as you are though that mm. they that they don't need to beat Houston at least once. I mean, maybe they maybe they don't, but but like it's to me it's it's really close. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be really sweating depending on how things go 
in the conference tournament, I think if they don't beat Houston, and let's say they beat everybody else, that means there's what? How many games are left? Seven? Yeah, seven games, seven games left in the regular season. Um, let's say they go five and two and they lose, then both the losses are to Houston. That means they are 23 and eight. That means they are, uh, what, 13 and five in conference. That means they are probably going to be the number three seed in the conference tournament. Uh, I don't know. Like that just, it, it's, I, I don't know. Like, like you're going to be, you're going to be kind of sweating it out. I think, uh, uh, on selection Sunday, if that's how it all plays out. But, um, but, but like, I'm not saying it's like, I'm not, I'm not, going to be i can't sit here and say that for sure they have to get a win there i mean like i could easily see um i could easily see them you know only losing those last two games to you know those two games to houston and winning everything else and um but what about this let me ask you this like let's say they get to the championship game in the in the aac tournament and they lose to houston a third time like, uh, see, I don't think that I don't. I think what's been proven over the years is the conference tournament doesn't really factor that much into whether you make the whether you're in or out. Or like yeah. it can affect seating a little bit, but I don't think like yeah yeah if they lost in the quarterfinals and they were a bubble team, they lost like a quad three quad four game that might hurt them. But I don't. I I've sensed over the years. Like remember, you know, like I've just sensed over the years. Like if they, as long as they're in the AAC semis. I don't think the conference tournament's going to factor into them making or not making the tournament unless they want it. Of course, they'd be the automatic bid. Right. Um, that's again, that's just what I've observed over the years. It doesn't feel like because the committee's putting the bracket together on Saturday and Sunday, like the result, especially in a league like the AAC, where the championship game is like the last championship game. Um, I just don't think it factors all that much into whether you make it or not. Personally, that's, yeah. Again. unscientific opinion, but just something I've observed. Um, But, you know, that's, that's the, we got a long way to get to there. And and along those lines of not losing games, you're not supposed to lose. They did that against USF. They went down to Tampa last night and got a convincing win, was never really in jeopardy, um, took a lead early and had the lead basically the whole game. You know, there was a moment there in the second half. There, the lead went down to eight. Tyler Harris takes kind of a wild three. Um, and then DeAndre streaks down court and gets a three-point play out of it. Um, and that that felt like the only kind of moment, if you will, when you, you thought, oh, well, maybe this is going to be a game here. Um, mm-hmm. And then and, and Memphis ends up running away with it. DeAndre has another big game. Kendrick had a big game. Keontae Kennedy had another big game. Uh, Elijah McCadden had another nice performance. Um, still no Malcolm and a- Alex Lomax back, but it feels like, you know, it's get it, we're getting close, maybe. Um, but seemed like they were in a groove last night. What did you make of the performance against USF, uh, Jason? What did, did you read anything into it, or is it just a, you know, nice perfunctory win over a bad team? I well, I could argue it both ways, but I'm going to choose to look at it uh, this way. I, I think that what you saw potentially this is my opinion, but 
like that might have been the best like version of what this Memphis Tigers team is. Um, like they they score you know they scored ninety nine points. Uh, they committed just eight turnovers. Uh, they cap, they forced 17 turnovers and scored 30 points off of those 17 turnovers. They didn't lose the rebounding battle by much. I think it was like a three point, uh, a three, uh, a three rebound margin that they lost in, in that, you know, from there, um, they shot very well from the free throw line. They made 18, they made each of their first 18 attempts. Uh, and I think they finished 21 of 24, um, you know, and like, I don't think the deficit, like, I don't think USF, I'd have to go back and double check, but I don't think USF ever got closer than nine in the second half. Uh, so like there was plenty of breathing room. Like there were a couple of moments, like the one you just described where, where, you know, you felt like, boy, uh, the momentum is kind of slipping here, but, um, you know, UCF did, or USF didn't make shots. And uh, Memphis capitalized. So, like it, it the the way I look at it, uh, the way it played out last night was that's about the best you can I think you can expect uh, from this team this season. Like the defense wasn't all that great. Um, they committed a ton of fouls, um, and and gave up 81 points to uh, a team that is now I think 10 and 15 or something like that, um, which you know like it's not the worst record. Like like USF is like kind of sneaky good. They've 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 got some decent wins this oh, year. They, but Muns, do not that's... call that team good. That is that is an eighth. That is like the eighth place team in the AAC. That if that's the definition of sneaky good. Get out of here. Come on. Poor, That's poor a, that they are not the the way I would describe them. They are not the worst team in the AAC. That is the I way sh- to describe that team. I should have stopped at sneaky. I, I, I the poor choice of words. They are not in the bottom tier of the league. SMU and Tulsa are the bottom tier. They're at the bottom of the next tier, but that is not in the, that is not a good tier. So, so they didn't give Memphis trouble at home. They didn't give Houston trouble. They didn't beat you at UCF. That's why that that's why they're not in the bottom tier, because they did that. Okay, they're that's under. Not... They're ten and thirteen months. Yeah, no, I get it, Mark. Like I, I get it, but like I mean, I I'm love Tyler to... Harris, and I. By the way, you're you're. You, I guess on the radio, sh- the radio broadcast, uh, Penny told Wolo that Tyler at one point when the, that that whole incident or whatever the exchange with him and Kendrick Davis, where they both got technicals, he was telling the bench, "You better get Alo because no one can cover me." That's that's good stuff. I that is sneaky good trash talk, Muns. Okay? I agree. I agree with that. I agree. But that, that is not a sneaky good team. So this team didn't. Uh, 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 take Temple to overtime and lose by three. Are you Brian they, Gregory's agent? Are you trying to save yeah. his job? Is that they what, didn't, is that what this is? They didn't. They didn't. Um, let's see what else here. They didn't. Uh, they didn't lose uh, at Houston by just six. Huh? <laughs> no, they didn't. That's what losers do. They lose no matter how. No matter how they do it. Um, that's not a good. You know, they're fine. You know, whatever. But they're not um, garbage. Yeah, I, that's still not sneaky good. Again, I would I yeah, agree right. with any they're classification right. that goes they're not the worst. 
<laughs> that's kind of what that team. They're not the worst. Uh, it that's was a poor choice. It was a poor choice of words. I should have yeah. just. I should have just stopped it. At, they're capable of sneaking up on you if you're not. Uh, if you're not paying attention, let's just uh, we'll, we'll just put it like that. But um, I don't even know where I was going with that. I, I'm, I'm completely I'm completely thrown off now. Jeez. Well, they they again they didn't lose they they won a game they did this against Tulsa I thought also you know they kind of just they were never you know they they kind of just went out and won a game they're supposed to win they're not going to get much credit for it but they never felt like super nervous you know they went and just took care of business and so that was encouraging now. Um, It'll be interesting to see their next two. I guess their next three games are Temple at home on Super Bowl Sunday at 11 a.m., mm-hmm. UCF at home uh, on Thursday, February uh, 16th. 16th, and then the at Houston game on Sunday the 19th. So obviously, you know, like these are two home games, and you know, Temple and UCF are, you know, in that top six echelon of the AAC, both of them. But, you know, one will, you know, my guess would be, you know, they're competing for the last bye uh, in the AAC tournament uh, coming up next month. Like, but they are, you know, obviously UCF beat you uh, on the road in double overtime and Temple nearly beat you um, on the road uh, earlier. So they're not like, this is not going to be like facing USF or Tulsa. It'll be a little more difficult, even a little more tricky, even though it's at home. Now, you know, Temple, I think in some ways is a lot is like Tulane in that they give Memphis some trouble with matchups because especially if you remember that Temple game, I know they, you know, Kendrick Davis hit the game winning shot, but for three quarters of that game, he really struggled with Temple's long guards um, so that'll be something to monitor um, in this game over the weekend. But obviously, you know, these are games, you know, you they, I, I don't I don't want to call them must wins. I think the best way to describe them is can't lose games. You know, mm-hmm. um, like if they don't if they lose to Temple, like. It will obviously it will it will do damage to their NCAA tournament profile, but it, don't buy into anyone telling you like they can't make the tournament if they don't beat temple like they can go beat houston twice still you know ultimately but that's very difficult you make you know you're making your life exceedingly difficult if you lose to temple or ucf uh in these next two games coming up they're home you know especially because they're home games um you know you just you got you know like that was why the tulane one hurt so hurt so much you could tell it on their faces afterwards not only did they, you know, blow it. I mean, they blew like this long home winning streak, and it's like they've been so good at home. Um, now, I will say, Muns. I looked up some stats after this after this USF game. Did you? And I'm ready to make this declaration, and it's going to be surprising given the narrative before the season. And this is kind of what if they're going to make the tournament, if they're going to make a run, this is how it'll happen. This is the best offensive team Penny Hardaway has ever fielded. What do you think yeah. about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, like. You so I got some numbers to back it up. Right. They're, offensive, they're ranked 39th in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency right now, um, which is actually one spot lower than where they finished last year. But they're not, they're like an actual figure in that 
113.7 points per 100 possessions is a full two and a half points better than last year. So there's just scoring in general is just the offense is up in college basketball at large. Um, but they're averaging two and a half points more per 100 possessions this year than last year. And it's very the, the, the last two years have very clearly been the two best offensive teams Penny has ever fielded. Um, his first three years, he, they were 81st, 210th and 117th in the country in that. Um, so there's that. Then if you go be back even further beyond Penny Hardaway, if the season were end to end today, that 113.7 points per 100 possessions, best they've been in that since 2012. So this is the most efficient offense, Memphis basketball offense, according as of right now, heading into the Temple game. It's the best since 2012, so a full decade. Yeah. Um, and then if you go to just, just a straight points per game, Memphis is averaging 80.2 points per game. That's good for 25th in the country. But if the season were to end today, Munz, Memphis is averaging more points per game than it has since 1985-86. We're talking nearly 40 years. Um, this is a good offensive team. Everyone just assumed because they can't shoot three-pointers that well that this wouldn't be a good offensive team. This is a good offensive team. That's what they, that's what that's how they win games. Like they they're okay defensively, you know, but the way they win games, the way they've been winning games is that, you know, they're outscoring people. You know, like basically if if you if in like they they're if you can if you can hold a team under 80 against if they just hold teams under 80 or mm -hmm. they're they're winning the game basically every time. Yeah. Which yeah. not a lot of college teams can say. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the proof is right there that, that, uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, like, yes, they have two games left against Houston, but they got five games left where like you figure they're going to put up, they're going to continue to put up numbers. Um, and so like, you know, the fact that, we still have seven games left, you know, you could say, oh, well, they could come back down to earth a little bit or whatever, but I don't see that happening. I, I think that like they, just like every Penny Hardaway team, they get better as the year goes along. And I think that they're going to continue to uh, like, they, they very clearly seem to have figured out that that is the, that's the way they're going to win games is, you know, like, you know, you haven't, you haven't really heard Penny say lately that, you know, defense is our identity and we have to get back to that. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't really said that. It's almost like he's kind of accepted that the blueprint for success is, you know, scoring as much as you can and, you know, just hoping that you score more than the other team. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that they're going to continue to do that. And if they do, then then they have a very real shot, as you said, of having the best offense in the last four decades, which, um, you know, happens when you have an elite point guard. <laughs> you've got yeah. a, And you've got an all-conference type uh, running mate alongside him and DeAndre Williams. And then you've got a guy like, I mean, they have put up 88.3 points per game in their last six games. Like, they're averaging 88.3 in their last six games. And, you know, 
I don't think it's any coincidence that Keontae that in, in since they started conference play, so they they went eight and three, so they played eleven uh, conference games. Keontae Kennedy is seventh in the conference in in just conference games in three point uh, field goal percentage, and in his last six games, he has shot fifty six point something percent from three, which is just like, you know, I mean, it's really, really good. And so um, if they can keep those three guys uh, hot and you can continue to get good, good, uh, good, good stuff from Elijah McCadden and, um, you know, everybody else gives you, you know, something here and there, then, then, yeah, like, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, people need to start realizing that, you know, what they're, what they're, what they're watching and what they're seeing here is, is something pretty special. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's, it's been, you know, it's been really good. Um, at times it feels like, you know, like obviously, you know, they're a bubble team ultimately too. So yeah. there's, there's obviously flaws to it. It's just worth, worth pointing out that if they're going to do it, it's probably going to be scoring a lot of points, not necessarily getting a bunch of stops. So let's wrap things up this way. Muns, um, we talked about the t- couple games coming up here leading into Houston. What are your, I mean, this three game stretch here, are they going, which game, are they going to be reincorporating Alex Lomax and Malcolm Dandridge into the lineup during those three games? Do you expect, do you have any sort of sense of when do you, do you have any thoughts on how they'll do that? You know, like ultimately that, you know, they could have used both of them in that two lane game. Um, you know, I don't know if Jalen Cook goes off the way he does if Alex Lomax is guarding him. I don't know, as Tyler Harris pointed out, I don't know if Tyler Harris goes off the way he does if Alex Lomax is out there. And then, you know, in that Tulane game especially, you know, Tulane, the teams that beat them, beat them with size because they're so small. And Memphis could not, did not, you know, they Penny did not play KO very much in that game. And they didn't have Malcolm and they weren't able to take advantage of or they weren't able to make Tulane pay as much as others for their size disadvantage whether it was offensively or defensively obviously Malcolm Dandridge maybe would have helped there um at the same time you're incorporating two guys back into the rotation when the rotation has been you know not bad lately it seems like you know like a pretty good Penny's got a pretty good rhythm going um with his substitution patterns um so digest all that what you know when do you expect Malcolm and Alex Lomax back, and how how do you think they get reincorporated into this thing? My educated guess is that you'll get at least one of them back by the UCF game next week. I, you know, I mean, I think the jury's still out on whether or not you'll get uh, Malcolm back this Sunday against Temple. My gut tells me no, um, just based on some of the things that uh, that I'm hearing and some of the stuff that Penny said both before yesterday's game and afterward. Um, I kind of feel like he's still, you know, he's still not comfortable, uh, putting himself on the floor. Now, again, I, I I would, I would be surprised if Alex is not back by next Thursday's home game against UCF. That's just, uh, that's, you know, nobody's told me anything specific, but, um, I would be surprised if he's not back for that game. And I mean, of course, if if Malcolm hasn't played by then, he could be back uh, for that game as well. We'll see. Um, 
and but but like and this is probably a discussion for another day so i hesitate to even bring it up but like when alex comes back is he coming off the bench and if not if he is gonna if he's going to go back into the starting lineup then who comes out does that mean that you're playing deandre at the five like you know very clearly like he's going to be your five if you do that because keontae kennedy is not coming out like he he's he is starting from now on i think um, and you know, so somebody has got to sit right. And that, and, and, it, and it feels like that's got to be, uh, KO and you've got to move, you've got to move Deandre down to the five, but that's, you know, we're not quite there yet. Um, I don't think, I don't think Alex is going to play Sunday. So we still got a little bit of time to, to noodle on that. All right. Well, it should, it'll certainly be interesting, and we'll be uh, covering it all over at commercialappeal.com. Uh, the Temple game, the UCF game, the Houston game, the Bracketology. Um, got a couple features on some players coming out soon that I think will be worth your time. It's uh, it's an exciting time in Tiger basketball world, in college basketball. It's you know it's February now. It's starting to heat up. Every game takes on even greater meaning. So. Uh, it should be uh, should be fun to watch how this plays out. Hopefully, it's fun to see how this plays out. Hopefully, the Tigers get back on another roll after uh, losing that Tulane game. Um, so, uh, till next time, I was Mark. That was Jason. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you at FedEx Forum this weekend. Hopefully. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.